Hello and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of AZ Vineyard Church. This week, enjoy the podcast as truth is revealed in God's Word. Go get a notebook, grab a Bible, and expect to have an encounter with God today. There's some lovely people in here today. Thank you. <laughs> they know me in the house. I drink, I drink a lot because I cry a lot. And you know what? Tears are, tears are good. Tears are healthy. Don't let anybody tell you they're not. Right, Nick? Yeah. That's right. Okay, so I'm Sandy. Glad to be here today. Let's pray and get started. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house. I thank you that you've chosen me, and you've chosen each and every one of, one of us here today to be a part of your plan. You're busy writing our story, and Father, we just want to fill up your pages with honor and glory to you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, already. <laughs> uh, all right, so last week, who was here last week? Okay, about half of you. Who watched the sermon last week online? A few more. Okay, that helps me because we are doing part two, and now I know how much um, groundwork I need to lay before we get going. So we are going to finish up reading John chapter 10. And this sermon, last week's and this week, is entitled The Good Shepherd. And we are going to, um, I'm just going to refresh a little bit of what we talked about last week. So last week we talked about Jesus leaving, talking about him being the good shepherd, and how Jesus used the parable of the shepherd leaving the 99 sheep to go after the one, right? Because that one's out there on their own by themselves, alone, in danger, and we being the sheep, the 99 of us, are together, and we're to support each other, and we're to be there for each other, and we're to follow our shepherd in finding lost sheep, right? So we need to be here. We need to be in each other's lives. We need to be reaching out when we need help and being there for somebody to reach out when they need, being there to be that person that people reach out to, right? Um. And we talked about the, the importance of that right now in this day and age, because in Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about don't, don't um, stop assembling together because the days are drawing short. So what? So what? The days are drawing short. Well, guess what? The enemy knows that he has a very limited amount of time left. And so he's going to attack even harder. He's going to come at you. He's going to try to single you out of the flock, get you all by yourself so that he can pounce on you and destroy your life. That's one less person he has to worry about, right? But when we come together and we're in the flock and we're supporting each other and we're loving each other, I love what the men did yesterday. They came together and supported each other as men. I love women's Bible study. I don't know where Annie's at. I love women's Bible study on Thursday mornings because we come together, we live life together, and we support each other. It's so important because the enemy is trying to steal sheep. That's his only job is to steal sheep. If you don't know, I'm pretty passionate about this because I don't want my friends to be taken out by the enemy. Yeah, come on. Yeah. I don't want my family 
to be taken out by the enemy. So we talked about how last week, we talked about how the sheep hear his voice, right? The sheep hear his voice and they know him and they follow him. We talked about what voices are you listening to? Are you listening to the shepherd's voice? Are you taking time with him to hear his voice? You know, I know my grandbaby's voice down the hall. They're in a room together, they're one and two and they sound very similar. I know which one's making what noise at what time because I know their voices. I've spent time with them. I know them. If you don't spend time with your shepherd, you will not recognize his voice. And there's lots of other voices coming at us, right? And if you don't take the time to be fluent in the language of your shepherd, you're going to get off track. And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do is get off track. And we talked about how, in verse 9, we talked in John chapter 10, verse 9, it talks about how we have, the Lord leads us into good pastures in his presence and out of his presence. And we talked briefly about being here on Sunday mornings in his presence, you feel, you feel different, right? You feel peace, you feel joy, you feel excitement. Sometimes you feel completely overwhelmed and you weep. Sometimes you fall to your face because you're in his presence, in his power, right? That's amazing. We all need that. We need that on a regular basis. But we also have regular lives to live, right? We have to go to work and we have to maintain our vehicles and we have to pay our bills. Adulting stinks. Am I the only one who thinks adulting stinks? I look at my little grandbabies and I think, oh, I would just love to be a baby again, you know? Somebody loves you and kisses your boo-boos and puts you in your bed and picks you back. We've all matured. We're all adults now, right? Everyone in this room is adults. And, well, kind of, George. And, <laughs> and we have to take care of life, right? Well, sometimes that means we don't feel his presence. That doesn't mean he's not with us. He's omnipresent. But we can find green pastures in his presence and in our daily lives. It's available to us. And let's see. Then in verses 11 through 13, we talked about God is the only, God, only God is good, right? Only God is good. God is the good shepherd, and Jesus claims deity in these verses. And he talks about how the shepherd loves his sheep and lays down his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run at the first chance of danger, right? Here comes the wolf to take the sheep, and the hired hand is like, yeah, that's a little too expensive, I'm out, right? So what is God calling you to be a shepherd of? Are you willing to lay down your life for the call that God has placed on you? And you can, you can kind of check yourself and figure out what it is that God's call is on your life because that's the thing that drives you. That's the thing that you're passionate about. That's the thing that you'll do whether anybody sees it or not, whether you're getting paid or not. Those are the things that God has given you to do Those are the things that you are to shepherd. Got it? Okay. I'm moving kind of fast because I got 
the second half to go. All right. And then Jesus talks about there being other sheep that aren't in the sheepfold. So the sh- Jesus came for the Jews, the Jewish community, right? But he talks that there are other sheep that aren't in the sheepfold. Jesus, in this Jewish context, was referring to Gentiles, those who aren't of the Jewish faith. And God's plan all along from the beginning of time was that all people, look at your neighbor and say, you're a people. You're people, right? All people would come to know him. And through Jesus' work on the cross, even those who aren't Jewish were grafted in and became sons and daughters of the Most High. Okay? We good? All right. Verses 17 through 19, Jesus talks about, and I think there's a misconception sometimes that Jesus was killed. Jesus was not killed. Let's get this straight. Jesus was not killed. He sacrificially gave up, he had the authority to give up his life, which he did in our place. And he has the authority to take it back again, which he did, which gives us communion with him, with our Father in heaven, and the Holy Spirit to help guide us. Okay? All right. So now let's go. Open your Bibles to John chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 19. Everybody with me? All right, here we go. When he said these things, the people were divided in their opinion about him. Some said, he's demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So Jesus had just performed a miracle right before he started talking about being a a good shepherd. He had performed a miracle and a blind man got his sight, right? We talked about that last week. So now all these people are like, who is this guy? Is he crazy? Is he demon possessed? But wait, he's healing people? We don't know. We're really confused. And I have a question. Have you ever had people think that you're crazy or demon possessed? Because you walk with Jesus? Yeah. I have. Sometimes when I'm praying, I'll, I'll tell you guys a little insider information. I come in here on Wednesdays before anybody else gets here in early, early, and I pace the sanctuary and I pray. And, I'm, and sometimes people come in and they're like, ooh, what's going on with her? And I know a, a dear friend of mine that used to prayer walk his neighborhood and he would have his head down, and he's having a conversation with God, and I think the neighbors thought he was the crazy man in the neighborhood because he was always talking to himself, they thought. No, he was, he was talking to God. So when we follow the shepherd, people are going to think that you're crazy. People might think you're demon-possessed. When we worship, and we worship with all of our hearts, somehow people think that's crazy, but you know what? People don't think it's crazy when we go to a football game and we scream and yell and we clap our hands and jump around. Isn't God worth so much more? So if you follow him and you listen to his directions, you listen to his voice, you follow the shepherd, crazy things are going to happen. They just are. And the crazier, the more fun. 
I have seen some really crazy things happen. I have heard crazy things that happened because God is moving. And he promised us that we would see greater things than even he did. And I don't know about you, but I haven't raised anybody from the dead yet. Yet. There may come a time when that happens, and I'm down for it. Okay, let's look, let's look at verse 22. It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. He was in the temple, walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Okay, first of all, let's talk a little bit about Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a Jewish celebration of deliverance. The Maccabees were the priests of the temple during this time that led a rebellion against Antiochus Epiphanes, I don't know, I might have crucified that name, who had defiled the temple by sacrificing a pig on the altar of burnt offering. So that is why we have Hanukkah. The temple was cleansed and rededicated to God on December 24th, 164 BC. BC means before Christ, if you didn't know. So this is before Jesus was even born. Yet Jesus celebrated Hanukkah in the very temple that had been cleansed and rededicated just a few generations earlier. Because Hanukkah is a celebration of deliverance, it has also become a time to express messianic hope. Just as the Maccabees were used by God to redeem Israel, perhaps the greatest redeemer, the Messiah, Jesus, came at that time too. With this understanding, we more fully appreciate the scenes that unfolded as Jesus celebrated the feast over 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. So the people of that time were awaiting a Messiah that would drive out the Romans who were oppressing the Jews. Little did they know isn't our, our view of things always smaller than what God has? So they thought this Messiah was going to be a military guy who comes in, rids them of their Roman, you know, Romans that were oppressing them. But little did they know, Jesus had come to establish an everlasting kingdom. The kingdom of God is within reach now, but it will be in fulfillment at the return of Jesus. So be ready He's coming back soon. Each day, we are one day closer to his triumphant return. So don't fall asleep. Don't, don't listen to the guys climbing over the wall to steal sheep from the sheepfold, because he's coming soon. Okay, let's look at verse 25. Jesus replied, I have already told you and you don't believe me. The proof is the work that I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them from away from me. For my Father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Okay, since only about a third of you were here, maybe half, less than half, were here last week, I want to play that video again. Can you guys pull that up for me? Ducky, 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 ducky. 
So, sheep are notoriously not the smartest animals, right? When people blindly follow things that are, they don't think for themselves, they're called what? Sheep. We hear it a lot in political stuff right now. Oh, sheep, they're sheep. They're just following, they don't. Those sheep are pretty smart, right? We're sheep and we have the ability to be smart and follow our shepherd. So that image of those sheep following their shepherd is the image I want you to burn into your mind. That's why I played the video twice last week and again this week is because I want you to really keep that image at the forefront of your mind. We need to make sure that we're listening to his voice. If you don't remember anything else from these last two weeks, remember this, Jesus still talks to his sheep. We need to make sure we're listening to his voice and not the distractions. So in verse 28, Jesus tells us that he has come to give us eternal life and we will never perish. Of course, our bodies will die, but our spirit lives on forever and we will have new bodies in heaven. I'm looking forward to that. I'm kind of doing my best to wear this one out now so that I'll get a new fresh one soon. He also stated that no one can snatch the sheep from him because his father has given them, given them to him and he is more powerful than anyone or anything. I stand on this promise on days when I don't really feel his presence. Anybody else have those days? I experience sometimes what I would call an evil day. And I remember on those days and I think about being in his hand and that no one No one, no one, no thing, no circumstance is able to snatch me from my father's hand. Tell yourself that. When you're having that day where it feels like it's hopeless, no one can snatch me from my father's hand. This practice helps me to remember who I am in him, because that's the first lie the devil will tell you, is that you're worthless, that I belong to him, and that no matter what the enemy tries to trick me into, nothing can take me from my father's hand. So in verse 30, he then reiterates that he and the father are one. Again, he is claiming deity to the people that will hear it. So in verse 31, let's look at verse 31. 
Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, at my father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? They replied, we're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. So they finally got it. They're like, oh, this guy is claiming to be God. And they're going to kill him. So let's look in Leviticus. It's the third book. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 24 and verse 16. This is why they felt that they were justified to stone him. 24:16. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be stoned to death by the whole community of Israel. Any native-born Israelite or foreigner among you who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. So they had taken religion and they were using it to meet their needs. Anybody ever heard anybody doing that? Taking things out of context and twisting it to meet their needs. They didn't like this guy. He was stirring stuff up. And so if they can find something in this law that they had, they were going to take him out. Little did they know, they didn't have to take him out. He was going to give up his life anyway. But this is where they're at. So uh, Jesus replies in verse 34 through 36, Jesus replied, it is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are gods, and you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called gods, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the son of God? After all, the father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me. Well, let's stop there. Let's stop at 36. Okay. So it's a little bit of a peculiar response that Jesus has to them, right? And so I, I took a little time and I, I researched this out. Psalm 82.6 is the verse that Jesus is referring to here. And the psalmist calls the rulers and judges of Israel gods and children of the Most High. So the word that they're using there is Elohim in the Hebrew. And it means, it's referred to as God. God is referred to as Elohim. But it's also given to other people that God has appointed. So they're God's divine counsel, they're judges, or God's messengers. So this is what Jesus is claiming. He's like, even if you don't believe that I am the true God, other people that God has appointed have been titled gods. Okay, does that clear it up a little bit? They cleared it up for me a little bit. And then let's look at verse 37. He says, let's go back to 36. Why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the son of God? After all, the father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done. Even if you don't believe me, Then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. He goes on to say that if we don't believe his words, look at his works. He tells them that they will understand that the Father is in him and he is in the Father and the miraculous works are the proof. 
If we belong to Jesus through our accepting his free gift of salvation, then we are given the Holy Spirit, and Jesus said we would do even greater works than him. We should expect to have powerful encounters with the living God and kingdom power manifesting in healings, salvations, and any other miracle that he chooses to do if we're truly following our Savior. So the chapter ends. Let's read the last bit of it. Once again, they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left them. I love that. It's just such so short. They tried to arrest him, and he got away. I'm like, was he like a greased pig or what? He's like always zipping out, you know? I'm like, how does, how does he do that? I mean, when the, when the Goodyear PD show up to arrest somebody, people don't just slip away. But Jesus was really good at that. It blows my mind. I'm like, how did he do that? Did he have an invisibility cloak? I don't know. He went beyond the Jordan River near the place where John was first baptizing and stayed there a while, and many followed him. John didn't perform miraculous signs, they remarked to one another, but everything he said about this man has come true. And many who were there believed in Jesus. So because of John's testimony, even though John didn't perform any miracles, he testified of who Jesus was, and Jesus showed up on the scene and did everything that John said he was going to do, so they believed. So don't think that your testimony is not important. It is. Let's, okay. So we did a whole chapter. Isn't that cool? We're not done. I got a couple more. So I got got six minutes. (laughs) So if you go back in the Old Testament to Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 34. This is why I needed two weeks. This stuff is too good. Okay, I'm going to read pretty quickly. We're going to go through verse 11 through 24, which talks about the good shepherd. It says, For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the peoples and nations. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and in all the places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. There they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away, and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak, but I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them, yes, feed them justice. So this passage is a Davidic messianic prophecy. Just like Jim says, the whole Bible points to Jesus. The Old Testament is a type and shadow of what is to come. All the stories of of God and his people and the redemption stories like Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, they're all pointing to the redemptive work that Jesus did on the cross. Ezekiel's writings were prophesying that Jesus would come. And these were little more than 500 years before Jesus actually came. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all on him. 
Jesus came not only to be the shepherd, but to be the sacrificial lamb. 1 Peter 2.25 says, Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your soul. Isn't that great? 1 Peter 5.4 says, And when the great shepherd appears, that's happening soon, guys. When the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory. Sounds good, right? Jesus is both the good shepherd and the sacrificial lamb that gave his life for the life of his sheep. If you don't know, the good shepherd loves you and wants to be your friend. He wants to be your protector. He wants to be your provider. And he wants to be the lover of your soul. If you haven't accepted this gift, today's a good day to do that. If you have accepted this gift, Jesus is your personal savior and you listen to his voice, are you listening clearly? Are you following him and living your life to bring more sheep into the fold? I love what Brother Carmen said one time, shepherds don't make more sheep, sheep make more sheep. That means it's not on John and I and Rod to fill this house, that's on all of us. We're all sheep and we're all shepherding. In John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17, Jesus first gave Peter a chance to rectify the three times that he denied him. And he asked him, do you love me? He said, yes. Yes, I love you, Lord. He said, then feed my lambs. And then he said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes. Yes, I love you. He said, take care of my sheep. And then he asked him again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. Isn't that sweet? He denied him three times, and he gave him three chances to say how much he loved him. And his response was, feed my sheep. That is exactly what we're to do. Are you willing to give up your life? Are you all in for Jesus? Are you willing to feed the lambs? Those little ones who, they may not be little in age, but they may be little in their faith, and they may yell out in the middle of a service and do crazy things, and they might fall and get hurt, literally and figuratively. Are you willing? Are you willing to care for the sheep? When they get a little bit older and they go through difficulties, are you going to be there to care for them? Are you going to feed the sheep even if it costs you? Give Jesus your radical yes again today and every day. At the end of your life, when you're taking your final breath on this side of heaven, you will have no regrets. If you surrender your life to him fully today and every day, it's a sacrifice because you know what? Living sacrifices get on the altar and then we're like, eh, like John's plug in, unplug, plug in, unplug. We have to make that choice every single day. Okay, Lord, my life is yours. However you want it to look, whatever you want to do, it's yours. And you will not regret it. I've known the Lord since I was five years old. 
and I don't regret, I don't regret my life. If I were to die today, I have no regrets that I lived it for Jesus. And I, ex I, I ask you guys to do the same. It is the best, best adventure. The adventure with Jesus is the best adventure. And I am 38 seconds over, so. That's awesome. Okay, let's all stand. I got several things I need to do real quick, and then we're, I think we need to go and bless our children's ministry workers, who, by the way, we need help back there. Sandy, that was awesome. Thank you. Okay, you ready for this? Okay, I want Nick and Chris to come up over here, and I want a couple of folks to just pray over them. They gave their testimonies today. I want them just prayed over real quick. Bertha, can, can you just go pray over them? Maybe Rhonda, maybe help. Just, just pray over these two young men. Okay, I have a couple of prophetic words. You too. Okay, I hear the Lord saying over your lives, the invitation. He's, he's, it's, and I see it in my mind. There's an invitation. But it's not for you. You're it. The invitation. So God's making you invitation. Not invitations. Invitation. And it's into, into the very presence of God. Can you, can you guys pray over them? Just pray over them right now. Tommy. During, the, during, the, during our time of, of worship and all, I saw you very clearly in my mind. Stand, raise your hand so everybody knows who you are, Tommy, if you would. That's him right there. Okay, I saw you and you had your finger out like this. And your finger was going like this, like this. And, and it was like you were, I saw several things. One, you were like keeping time like a conductor. You were conducting. And the next thing I saw, it's like you were like this over a bunch of children. And you were giving instructions. And, but all the while, it's like your hand was keeping time. And I don't really know what that means, but I, here's what I think. God is giving you a, a level of organization in your life that is, is imparting to others a sense of timing, a sense of purpose, and God wants to use you in that. So, um, Shannon can, and, and Mary Ellen, can you go back over and pray for Tommy back there? Tommy, just let the Lord do in your life what he's going to do, okay? And um, I want to, I normally at the end of a service, we ask people with a lot of needs to come up and pray, and definitely, if that's you, Come up and let us know. We want to pray for you. I want to actually do something a little opposite today. But um, ah, there she is. I want to ask Courtney to come up. Is Matt, is Matt in the room somewhere? Matt, my son, come here. Um, this is my son, Matt, and my daughter-in-law, Courtney, and my youngest grandson, Roger, right here. Yay, he's awesome. Okay, Sandy, and um, where'd Sandy go? Did, did she, like, ditch us already? Okay. All right, I, these two are the ones in particular I want to pray over. 
Uh, Courtney is our children's pastor, one of our children's pastoral teams. Sandy, come on up here. Rod and Karen, stand up here, please. Here's what I want to do. You two come up here, too. All right. These are key leaders in this house, right? These are all key leaders in our house. And pray, you guys don't know how much these people pray over you and minister to adults, to children. Um, and and it's, it can wear you down and wear you out. So here's what I want to do to end our time together. If you love these people and you're glad you have good leaders in your life and people who actually shepherd and care over you, I want you to walk up here right now. This is the end of the service. Those of you at home, you can hold out a hand. Walk up here right now, lay a hand on them and bless them in Jesus' name. So like now, as in now. So Father, in Jesus' name, I just bless everybody in this house. Lord, we ask You in Jesus' name to cause our homes, cause our hearts, cause our families to be filled with blessing and goodness and joy and peace. Anybody want those things in your home? So we say yes and amen to You, Lord, in all that You're doing. Let heaven break out in every home, in our families, and through us to our co-workers. Through us, Lord, to those we don't even know and we chance encounter, which is usually You at work. So we thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to AZ Vineyard Church's podcast. We're located in Goodyear, Arizona. To learn more about our church, visit our website, azvineyard.com. That's A-Z-V-I-N-E-Y-A-R-D.com. 